On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we talk to Rob Tebbett, longtime boxing reporter, longtime boxing journalist, as we gear up for the big heavyweight title fight, Tyson Fury and Dillian White taking place in front of what we believe to be 95,000 fans. We get into that. We get into the Daniel Kinahan news. We get into the MTK news. We get into the dark cloud that is hovering over this fight as well as talking about Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford, Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol, and the upcoming boxing schedule, which is absolutely loaded. All right, let's do it. Let's get into it. All right, everybody, welcome into episode 154, Inside Boxing Live. Today is Thursday, April 21st. Hope everyone is doing well out there, and we are gearing up for a big fight on Saturday, ESPN Plus pay-per-view. We're going to see Tyson Fury step back into the ring for the first time in 196 days. For the first time against someone not named Deontay Wilder in a very long time, when he uh, defends his ring title, he defends his WBC heavyweight title strap, going up against Dillian White at Wembley Stadium in a huge, huge crowd. Joining us on the show, longtime boxing uh, journalist, longtime boxing reporter, all-around great guy, Rob Tebbett uh, is here. Who uh, it's going to be a good? It's a it is a good. It's a very, very good discussion uh, with Rob. Uh, you know who's over in the UK who was there seeing how things have been trickling out, seeing how this fight is being promoted or lack thereof. Uh, the Daniel Kinahan news is hard uh, to to avoid at this point. I know a lot of people have been trying to avoid it, uh, whether it's covering it, uh, whether it's wanting to talk about it. Uh, the latest as we sit and record this right now, uh, Daniel Kinahan's assets have been frozen. They are circling him, and uh, it's only a matter of time before he is uh, arrested. Uh, you know, it was quite uh i don't know what the right word is but it was something to see uh yeah uh, a couple days ago when mtk announced that they are closing up shop as tyson fury was on the stage for his press conference tyson fury the uh highest ranking or the highest client that mtk has that is hanging over this this promotion it's hanging over this fight week uh, a strange fight week, a strange promotion for a heavyweight title fight, whether it's Dillian White not showing up to any of the press conferences up until uh, two days ago, uh, him not participating in any type of promotion for this fight, and of course everything that's going on with MTK Global with Daniel Kinahan. Uh, there's a dark cloud over the fight. There's there's no doubt about it, but this this is, is the name of the game. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, with Rob Tebbett, uh, we actually break down the fight too as well. Um, it's going to be hard, hard one for Dillian White uh, uh, to win. One other thing too, one piece of housekeeping here. We are now here at John Boy Studios. Um, this episode is being recorded in our state-of-the-art uh, brand new studio. And with that comes growing pains. So there is a large portion of the interview with Rob where I am just blurry, uh, where I am a little... Uh, just blurry. Yeah, it looks like uh, like an episode of Cops when they don't when they want to blur out uh, the guy's name. We're gonna get through it. Uh, it's some growing pains in an office in a few months, a few weeks. Hopefully, we'll look back and, and we'll laugh at it. So, if you're watching this on YouTube and I'm extremely blurry, I'm sorry. But just listen to the words because it was a very good discussion uh, with Rob Tebbett. Let's talk about the actual fight uh, this weekend. Tyson Fury, De uh, Dillian White. I, mean, I almost said Deontay Wilder. It's almost like programmed into your brain. Uh, Tyson Fury's first fight in the UK since 2018. Uh, that's the last time that he fought, uh, his first fight 
other than Deontay Wilder since the Otto Valine fight. Um, and he is coming into this fight in uh, being relatively, I think 196 days was the last time he, he fought. So, you know, this is active Tyson Fury. That's something you want to see uh, from Fury. He always says that when he is active, he is dangerous. He doesn't have any, any time to have other distractions uh, in life. So we're getting a more active Tyson Fury. But with that, we're also getting a change in style. We've seen this from the second Wilder fight. We saw it in the third Wilder fight, too, is a more deliberate uh, Tyson Fury. You know, under uh, Sugar Hill Stewart, he is now throwing 36 punches around. That is well below the heavyweight average of 44 around. He's jabbing less. Uh, he's going to the body less. He's head hunting. He's trying to get knockouts, and he scores knockouts, back-to-back -back knockouts. It's aesthetically pleasing uh, to get those knockouts, uh, you know, for, for for Tyson Fury, that was the one knock on him as he was climbing the ranks, as he didn't have that one-punch power. Uh, go back to those fights with, with the Klitschko, where it was probably one of the most, it was not an aesthetically pleasing fight. Uh, so obviously with Sugar Hill Stewart, he has worked on sitting down on his shots. Because if you go back to the run he had against Seferi, Pianetta, Wilder, Juan, Schwartz, and Valin, he was throwing close to 50 punches around Tyson Fury. Uh, he was uh, landing his jab at a 27% clip, going to the body 30% of the time. Those are, you know, he was more active. So he is slowed down. He is a deliberate power puncher now. You flip over to Dillian White. He ranks number two in the heavyweight division in punches thrown per round at 64.2. He's only second to Adam Konaki. Uh, and Adam Konaki, obviously, uh, you know, inactive, and I don't know what's going on with his career. So you can pay, make the case that Tyson, that Dillian White is has the highest volume in the heavyweight division at 64.2. But over his last two fights, I talk about this with Rob, over Dillian White's last two fights, he's only throwing 33.1 punches around. Completely slowed down. And if you stretch it out even further, over his last eight, 52 punches around, 25% uh, uh, accuracy. But if you take a look at Dillian White in his heyday from 2014 to 2017, 75 punches thrown around. 34% accuracy. I don't think we're going to see Dillian White throw 74 punches around. I don't think we're going to see him throw his normal 52 punches around, which we've seen over his last eight fights, which would be a pretty good pace against Fury. That's the thing that intrigued me about this fight when it was first made. I was like, oh, wow, Dillian White is a volume puncher in the heavyweight division. He throws a lot of shots. Um, you know, he lands at a pretty high clip. Got a great right hook and a decent jab. But I think those days are over. Uh, I think he's slow and plotting. And if he's going to go punch for punch with Tyson Fury, it's going to be a short, short night uh, for Dillian White. Uh, but a heavyweight title fight at Wembley Stadium with 90,000-plus fans. Uh, this is big. This is one of the biggest British fights uh, in their history uh, outside of a potential fight between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua down the line. But Tyson Fury has been down four times. In his last five fights. Dillian White has been floored three times in his last six. Tyson Fury lands 40% of his power shots. Dillian White gets hit with 40% of his opponent's power shots. This fight is not going to distance. It is going to end in a knockout, and it's most likely going to be a spectacular knockout. A heavyweight title fight. The winner one step closer to Undisputed this Saturday ESPN Plus pay-per-view from Wembley Stadium, Tyson Fury, and Dillian White. All right, with that, let's go over uh, to our interview with Rob Tebbett. Bear with me. Some blurriness. Camera goes in and out a few times. 
But overall, a great chat with Mr. Rob Tebbett. Let's bring in our guest this week here on Inside Boxing Live. You know the face. You know the name. He's back, baby, for a big fight week. Rob Tebbett, longtime boxing journalist, longtime boxing reporter, uh, the best Twitter follow on British boxing, arguably pound for pound all of boxing. Uh, my man, Rob Tebbett, so excited to talk to you because we have a big fight week and a lot swirling around this fight. But first off, how you doing? How's everything? Welcome back. Thanks very much, Stan. Uh, it's good to be back. As I, I briefly spent, uh, spoke to you yesterday, mentioned the fact this is the first thing that I've done in, in probably three months or so. Um, so shaking off the ring rust like a, a post-exile Muhammad Ali and ready to get back in there. Um, but yeah, very, very glad to be joining with you. As you mentioned, it's a, it's a big, big fight week, certainly over on this side of the pond. Tyson Fury against Dillian White. I'm very, very excited for it. Um, we'll obviously be watching from home as opposed to being in the arena. But I think after a while, I kind of get used to it. I think kind of COVID the last couple of years, I've become I've become a proper armchair boxing fan. So uh, very much looking forward to the fight this weekend. So while you were, you say you're in this exile, while you were there, how hard is it for you not to comment on Twitter? Because you are the guy on Twitter. Like I like to say, like you're like the British version of myself. Like you got to comment on everything. There's got to be, you're at the finger on the pulse. How tough was it to not like really tweet anything or not comment on the sport? Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, my lawyer told me to do it, though, so that always makes things a lot easier. When you start seeing them legal fees and uh, you, you kind of, <laughs> you kind of te tend to do what the lawyer tells you to do. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've still... Um, I think probably the hardest thing for me was staying up for the late nights without Twitter, um, like staying yes. up till five, six o'clock in the morning, like Chocolatito uh, <laughs> Martinez was one of them. I remember that being a really long slog and... You know, sometimes you get that energy from people on Twitter. I, I love to talk boxing as you as you do and as, as many others do. So it's it's my passion. So, yeah, it was quite difficult. I was kind of lurking in the background um, at, at some points and shooting some DMs here and there. Uh, I wasn't completely off of Twitter, but yeah, it was um, it had it had its moments where it was um, where, where I did want to send a few things and say a few things. But all in all, um, it was quite nice to, in a way to have a little bit of a break. Um, I'd kind of spend a lot of my day on Twitter, as do you, um, as you have to do in this funny old sport. But yeah, glad to be back at it now. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it's been nice. It's been nice to be back and uh, talking boxing with good people such as yourself. And you got plans on coming back fully, right? We're going to get Rob Tebbett back in the mix. Sometime soon, sometime soon. Yeah, one or two things just being sorted out at the minute, but I will be back bigger and better than ever. Um, <laughs> Sometime very soon, yeah. All right, and, that's and good. Congratulations to you, by the way. It's the first time that we've spoken since your new gig over at John Boy. Um, yeah. Congratulations. Always good to see good people doing well in this crazy sport. Thank you. Thank you. I'm teaching everyone at this office. It's a baseball company, but I'm teaching them all about boxing slowly but surely. So I'm wearing this sweet science shirt. And I was surprised that how many people don't at the office don't, what is sweet science? What is sweet science? I was like, oh, I thought that was a kind of like a universal term, like sweet science is boxing, no? We, we kind of get that all the time. Like we, we realize that like we live in the boxing bubble. And then when you actually meet somebody who's not in that bubble, it's kind of, yeah, you, you just can't work out how they, what do you mean you don't know something like that? What do you mean you don't know who the WBO bantamweight champion of the world is? <laughs> it, it, is it? Because we're, we're, we're engrossed in it every day. It's, it's very much normal to us, but um, not normal for everybody else, which is why events like, you know, Fury White and Spence Crawford, which we're going to talk about, of course, uh, are so good because it brings people into our little niche sport and uh, nothing's quite like a big, big prize fight. So, uh, yeah. yeah, excited to, to see some big fights coming in 2022. 
There are a lot of big fights, man. This is we're getting in right in the heart of it now. This April, right in the middle of it. We saw it start off with, with Lubin and Fundora, Ryan Garcia to go for obviously not the same level of those fights. Uh, you know, Gar, uh, Triple G and Murata. And then we let me rolled into last week with Spence and that win. And now we're here with Tyson Fury and Dillian White, a huge pay-per-view fight, um, a huge stadium fight, uh, heavyweight championship on the line. You got one of the most provocative fighters, one of the most po uh, popular fighters in the world in Tyson Fury. Yet, I think it's safe to say, uh, I, you agree with me here, one of the strangest promotions I can remember for a big fight, one of the strangest fight weeks I can remember for a big fight, whether it's Dillian White's non-committal uh, to participate in any of the lead-up besides what we saw this past week, whether it's the Daniel Kinahan news, whether it's MTK folding simultaneously as Tyson Fury, their uh, biggest client, biggest uh, member of MTK is on the stage for this fight. A dark cloud over this over this fight. There is no doubt about it. You cannot deny that. Yeah, we've had some incidents over the last couple of years where we've seen Daniel Kinahan's name mentioned in boxing. Uh, Tyson Fury famously now or infamously announced uh, Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. I think that was in May of 2020. And that was kind of the first time that we'd We'd really heard the name spoken. So, I mean, there's one thing being public and there's another thing coming from the, at the time, yet yeah, the heavyweight champion of the world and and being put out in that way. <clears throat> so whenever, whenever Daniel Kinahan's name has been brought up in boxing in the last couple of years, it has um, led to, you know, significant public outcry and, and interest from just out, outside of the boxing bubble, as, as I've referred to earlier. And obviously we had the BBC Panorama over here. I think that was last February. Um, but this, of course, is, uh, is much, much different. Um, the sanctions that were handed down by the U.S. government and the U.S. Treasury, I think it was nine days ago now, um, was significant. It, it, was a, it was a marquee moment and a landmark moment. Um, and the last nine days have been quite something to, to behold. And as you mentioned there, Tyson Fury, the, the biggest client of MTK Global yesterday, uh, MTK closed as he was stepping onto the stage. There was something... These these coincidences or these things kind of happening at the same time. It, it's boxing, isn't it? It's just one of those big dramatic events, and it's just been made more so by by recent events of the last nine days or so. But yeah, it, it certainly has been a very interesting build up to the fight. You mentioned that Dillian White no selling the fight, not turning up to the initial announcement press conference. I think it was only four or five days ago where he'd actually officially tweeted or, or made public reference to the fight actually taking place which um is, in my opinion look I heard Dillian White speak yesterday at the press conference I felt like he spoke very well felt like he addressed the whole situation well having said that I still don't agree with it personally I think um as we mentioned before that you know the bubble that we live in boxing grows as a sport by these marquee events I don't know what you're like Dan but I have I have a lot of friends who are not boxing fans at all who will, will message me and ask me about a big fight coming up or tickets or how do you see this or how do you see that haven't had that for this fight and and to me that's disappointing this is a, an opportunity and it's a that I know in America uh, my American brethren are, uh, are not thrilled about having to pay for or having uh, a pay-per-view in the afternoon on a Saturday but over here it's a significant fight it's a significant fight in the history of British boxing it's too British fighters contesting the heavyweight championship of the world at Wembley Stadium, our national stadium where the England football team play. It doesn't really get much bigger than that. And I, and I have felt that it, it hasn't quite felt like it should have. Right. There's, of course, the Daniel Kinahan situation, the Dillian White situation. It, it hasn't been good, I don't think. I felt I feel that 
Dillian getting involved in, in the promotion of the fight beforehand. I, again, listening to his reasons for it yesterday, I understand them. I thought he addressed them very well, but still you only get one go at something like this, generally speaking. And that includes Tyson Fury. He's been in some massive fights in, in America and of course in Germany and beaten Vladimir Klitschko, but fighting at Wembley stadium, two Brits for the world heavyweight title. It doesn't happen. That's not something that will come around every five yeah, or 10 right. years. And it would have been great to just have it from the rafters, kind of like AJ Fury, I sense would have been. Um, and yeah, I do feel like it has detracted from the promotion of the fight. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this is a loaded question, but how did this MTK cease operations? We know that that's that's a, that's a fact. They have hundreds of fighters. It's there's so many things to comb through here when it comes to the, the Kinahan news and the fallout. I don't think we will understand the fallout until we see how it plays out uh, in the upcoming days. But how does this what is the fallout? Like if you can try to come up with something of how this all plays out for the hundreds of fighters that were signed to MTK or how this could affect, you know, Tyson Fury or some of the higher marquee names like a Josh Taylor. I mean, the scope of it is so large, but how does this play out? I think it's a good question. And it's a question that I don't really have any definitive answers to. Uh, You mentioned there, there's there's hundreds of fighters, not only in the UK, but around the world, of course, some American fighters. Um, I think there's, promotional alliances or allegiances and, and co-promos in Nicaragua and Mexico. And, you know, there's, there's an awful lot uh, that we're still to kind of see how it goes, I suppose. Um, from the UK side of things, last Friday, MTK had a show at York Hall, which was a fantastic show. It's a small hall show, what you would call in America club fights, um, which, you know, over the last few years, MTK global small hall shows have been fantastic. They've been very well matched. Um, they've provided a lot of opportunities for fighters who maybe aren't getting those opportunities elsewhere and they've produced very good cards. Boxing being the way boxing is, there's that the famous Larry Merchant quote, you know, nothing will kill boxing and nothing can save it. They will go and they will fight elsewhere and they will fight on other cards. When and where and who, I have no idea. I think we're kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, have like the blast radius with um with a, a nuclear bomb or yeah. something like that. I still feel like we're very much in that red zone where we're just we've just been hit by the bomb and we're just trying to see what how well, far yeah, it exactly. it and where it's gonna lead to. Yeah. So I don't know is the honest answer. I have no idea where or how it's going to affect the top echelon fighters, your Tyson Furies, your Josh Taylors, etc. Uh, the guys on the small hall circuit, you know, Lee Eaton done a fantastic job, uh, former promoter of MTK Global in making these cards and, and having very competitive cards and shows for fighters to box on. But that's obviously not going to be any more. Um, I've heard that certain, you know, people who are working at MTK will continue to work in the sport. Um, they have some very experienced boxing people there. Um, but yeah, I think we're all just kind of waiting to see how, how the land lies over the next couple of weeks. But I think the timing of it being a Tyson Fury fight week this week <laughs> has obviously exacerbated the situation somewhat and made it um, made it a massive, massive story. I mean, not the fact that it wasn't a massive story anyway. Of course, it's a huge story, but it's very, very much on our toes, as we say yeah. over here. In, in <clears> it's the, cr- you know what's crazy about it, Rob? It's like what's crazy about it is now, like when the New York Times here in the states. They uh, put out a tweet on it and they say, you know, Daniel Kinnan, as of today, his assets were just frozen. That means that they are on him big time now. And when they post the the link, the thumbnail is Tyson Fury. But it's it, it, they link Daniel Kinahan to boxing. 
there's there's no denying that mm. now that he is linked to boxing. And you're right. We're going to see how it plays out. Obviously, Tyson Fury is the biggest name client he has. You know, Josh Taylor. Uh, those guys will be fine. It's the other hundred fighters, like you said, like that fight either on small shows or mid-level or working their way up to title contention. So we're going to see how it plays out. It's an ultimately a huge storyline in this fight. There's no denying it. It's just a cloud over the entire week uh, with that. And there's also a cloud over the entire week with Dillian White not showing up. But I do agree with you that when he did show up uh, this past week, it felt I started to feel big fight feels again. I started, I saw them standing face to face. I saw them get into a little scuffle. These are things fans are accustomed to now. These are things fans look for in the lead up to a fight week. Uh, to, be, to be a boxing fan is to understand a Daniel Kittahan situation and also be excited for a heavyweight title fight, which I would say that that's where I fall. And I think a lot of boxing fans uh, feel that the same way. So that's something to keep an eye on. I know we don't have a lot of answers, but it is now very much in the forefront. You know, shout out to all the journalists out there that did phenomenal work um, talking about this story years ago and now seeing it come to light and seeing how the severity of it. And the trickle down effect, top rank trickle trickle down effect. Uh, you know, Matchroom has tentacles uh, in this too. Every promoter in boxing seems to have a connection to it. So it's going to be a story that's not going to go away for a while. All right, Rob, let's talk about the fight. Let's talk about things that we like to talk about. Um, what a fight this is going to be. I think it's nice to see Tyson Fury in there with someone other than Deontay Wilder. I did enjoy the trilogy, but I'm interested in seeing... Uh, Tyson Fury in there with a name other than Wilder, uh, a guy in Dillian White, whether you think he deserved the shot or not, you can go through the whole WBC uh, eliminator, blah, blah, blah. But he has gotten his shot and now he will step into the ring. Let's talk with Fury first. Um, second fight in 196 days. Uh, and as you know, Tyson Fury, if you follow Tyson Fury, you know that he is someone, activity is his friend. Activity is Tyson Fury's friend. So he is active. He's back to where he wants to be. He's more deliberate than ever. You know, it's really slowing down his pace, sitting down those punches. That's why he brought in, uh, you know, Sugar Hill Stewart. Where do you have Tyson Fury right now? He's I know he's talking about retirement. I don't believe that for one second. But where do you where do you see Fury at this state in the game? And is he unbeatable? Nobody's unbeatable. Um, I think that's the first thing to get out there. Nobody's unbeatable. We've seen uh, Tyson Fury dropped twice in his last fight by Deontay Wilder. Uh, we saw him dropped twice in the first fight with Deontay Wilder. We've seen vulnerabilities from him throughout his career. No man's unbeatable. How much has that taken a toll on, on Tyson Fury? Of course, he got up. He won the fight, the third fight against Deontay Wilder, but he still had to take a few against a murderous puncher like Deontay Wilder. His activity very much is his friend. Um, I remember I followed Fury in America um, while he boxed Tom Schwartz, boxed Otto Wallin, and then, of course, boxed Deontay Wilder. That was June, September, February. And, you know, I feel like that's the standout performance of Tyson Fury's career still very much, for my estimation, is that second Wilder fight. I felt like that's the best that we've seen of him. Um, whereas we've seen in other parts of his career, when he had his his ban away from the sport, he was away for three years or there or thereabouts. Um, and he has had these periods of inactivity, of course, between the second Wilder fight and the third Wilder fight, there was this stretch again. 
how much does that take on how much toll does that take on a fighter uh, particularly somebody like Tyson who is while he doesn't look it he is very much athletically gifted a man of his size and his weight and his stature to be able to move and have the reflexes and reactions that he does it's freakish he, he, he doesn't yeah. move like a man who is his size and his weight he is a one-off fighter, but every dog has his day. I don't believe it's going to be Dillian White's day. I still feel Tyson Fury stylistically is a, is a bad fight for, for Dillian White, somebody who can punch long and hard and straight down the target. I feel like is Dillian White's kryptonite. Um, they know each other very well. They, they spent a lot of time together. I think they slept of, together. They slept together, apparently. Um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that we saw, of course, is... Um, at the press conference, I actually quite liked that. I mean, there was there was a little bit of a potential tempers flaring between uh, John Fury and and Baby Ting, aka Dean White. Um, but ultimately, Tyson and, and and Dillian White are old friends. They um they'd known each other for a long time. They'd worked mm -hmm. together, um, and I feel like look, I think they both understand the scope of this fight and they understand that it's a, it's a massive opportunity for both of them to etch their names into boxing history i feel like that's what anybody gets into the sport for in the initial phase i don't feel like people are, are necessarily you know brought into boxing at a young young age but for lures of riches and and, and money it's very much you know events like this and spectacles yeah. yes but back to the fight itself i feel like i feel like fury with all of this stuff going on around him, um, that has made me think a little bit more towards the upset. I feel like Dillian White has has looked looked well. He looked he looked good at the press conference. As I said, he handled himself well. He said the right things, um, but I just don't really see how he wins the fight. Short right. of <clears throat> short of hitting Fury with a one of those trademark left hooks that he's got. I don't really see where he wins the fight. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for him to win a decision of any kind. Um, that is what it is. It's boxing. We all know it. Um, and Fury, as we've seen, you know, you can hit him and you can drop him and you can be Deontay Wilder with 40-odd knockouts. And, you know, he can get up and rise from the dead and come straight back at you. So, yeah, I mean... I, don't, I wouldn't say Dillian White has a puncher's chance. I think he probably has slightly more than that, but I wouldn't necessarily say much more than that. I feel like Fury stylistically and having the ability to change that style as well. I feel like he has several looks that are, that are not good for Dillian White. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, I, think I would feel better about White if this 2014 to 2017 version of Dillian White, if you can go back in time, he was a volume puncher throwing close to 70 punches around at the heavyweight division you just don't see that you're landing at a high clip uh, obviously a lot younger so you have a better motor but he has slowed down tremendously rob i mean over his last two fights uh both against pavek and he is down to 30 punches around and that makes me think you know is he going to be slow and deliberate in this fight with tyson fury if you're going to sit there and be slow and deliberate in a, and go try to go punch for punch with a guy that is so much bigger than you in Tyson Fury, a guy that has now mastered the art of sitting down on his punches. I don't like that for Dillian White. I also don't think he has a 70 punch or even a 60 punch or even a high 50s um, motor in him anymore. So I tend to agree with you there that I, I just don't see a path for victory for Dillian White outside of one of those looping right hands um that he can land that we've seen him in the in the past do 
Yeah, I think you make a good point. I feel for me that Dillian has to do something in the, those early rounds. He needs to land something significant. The first, it's, again, it's going to be difficult. The first clinch they get into, he needs to be elbows, heads, everything. Right. Try and, but how do you rough up a six foot nine, 280 pound giant who's going to, and Fury kind of famously once said, you know, he's six foot nine of fight, a uh, six foot nine of inside fightingness. <laughs> um, he can fight on the inside. We saw it against Wilder where he mauled him and leaned on him and used that weight and tired him out. We've seen Dillian White in the past for the first four or five rounds when he's at his sharpest, he has a very nice jab. Um, and then after that, he kind of loses his shape a little bit. And if he's not going to set the pace early in the fight, I don't, I feel like the longer the fight goes, the more fury will grow into the fight and the more fury will adapt and adjust. Whereas I don't feel like white has those wrinkles in his game that fury has for me as well. The biggest question mark around white and has been for the last three or four fights is the vulnerability. I feel mm -hmm. like he's vulnerable. We've seen White knocked out by Anthony Joshua. We've seen Joseph Parker knock him down and almost stop him in the final round of their fight. Robert Hellenius hurt him with a jab. Oscar Rivas had him down. Marius Vack <laughs> hurt him a couple of times. Alexander Povetkin cleaned his clock. You know, there's, there is a vulnerability there with, with Dillian White. And I feel that the stylistic advantages that Tyson has and the physical attributes that he has and that ability to sit down on his shots and punch straight down the line and through the target I feel like that's going to be the significant difference in the fight. And I'm just not sure how well Dillian White's going to hold the shots. Yeah, that's an interesting point about him being vulnerable. You can see that with your eyes. But if you just take a look at some of these fights, it's when he's ahead, not that I think he'll be ahead in this fight, but he has this knack of letting his opponent back into the fight. You know, you saw it uh, with Parker. Like I said, he was outlanding him 191 to 98 before losing his focus and getting dropped. Same thing happened with Rivas. He had complete control over the first eight rounds, a huge edge in total landed punches, and then an uppercut, a right uppercut floors uh, a Dillian White. And obviously we saw Pavekin in their first fight, you know, had him down twice. Uh, so whether it's focus, whether it's him, the fact that, you know, maybe he loses his form, like you said, fatigue sets in, you know, those uppercuts that floored him, those, that's the punch I think that Fury can land early and often, of course, that that one-two down the middle as well. Oh, man, it, it's going to be tough for, for Dillian White to get a, a – not going to get a decision. I think this fight's going the distance no matter what. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how what, White game, what White's game plan is. If he is that 60-punch-per-round that type of fighter, or is he going to try to go punch for punch in a deliberate pace that we've seen him over his last couple of fights? Now, one of the things that a lot of fighters who I speak to have said about Dillian White and a lot of fighters have said after they've fought him or sparred him is that he has a very deceptively long jab. Um, that's something that it takes a lot. It takes fighters a while to get used to the fact that he shoots the jab from the hip. It's deceptively long. It isn't long enough to beat Tyson Fury to the jab, though. And, and I feel like the, the issues that Fury had with Wilder across the, I want to say three fights, I guess two and a half fights. There was a couple of right hands early in the second fight, but other than that, it was pretty much one way traffic, but it's Deontay Wilder's ability to, to close the gap quickly. Mm -hmm. Why I don't really see how he closes the gap. Um, the, the, the obvious choice would be for him looking at him and not his opponent would be the jab. He's got a long jab. It's a good jab for the first four or five rounds. But again, as we mentioned, you know, after four or five rounds, I do feel like he loses his shape a little bit. The jab doesn't come back as quick as it goes out. And I just don't see how he closes the gap. And again, when he's in on the inside and White in the Joseph Parker fight in particular was able to manhandle Joseph Parker, rough Parker up, 
How do you do that against a six foot nine, 280 pound fighter who's going to lean on you, who's going to move you around in there? He's going to make you carry his weight for the first four or five rounds, and then he's going to go to work. So, yeah, it's it's a really, really tough fight for, for Dillian White, style-wise. Um, as I, I also feel Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder are also tough fights for him, style-wise. And for me, it, it, the most significant factor is the vulnerability. I just feel like he's too easy to hit against these guys. Oh, he's so easy to hit, Rob. 40%. Yeah. He's getting hit with 40% of his power. And Tyson Fury lands 40% of his power. And they're not against Anthony. Well, I mean, obviously, boxed Anthony Joshua. I feel like that's a fight that has been rewritten slightly. I feel like against Anthony Joshua, we, we all saw him uh, stiffen the legs of AJ with that catch and counter left hook. He landed some nice body shots. But apart from that, I felt like, again, that fight was was a tough fight for Dillian White. He took a lot of punishment in that fight. Um, again, punching straight down the target is where Anthony Joshua had a lot of his success in that fight. And White's not been particularly difficult to find against fighters who are not as physically superior and you know technically superior as a Tyson Fury. So that's the big, the big decisive factor for me is that I don't see how he closes the gap and he's going to get hit a lot. Yeah. So yeah. Both fighters have been down a lot uh, recently. Uh, like I said, Fury landing 40% of his power shots. Dillian White getting hit with 40% of his power shots. Something's got to give in this fight. I'm taking the under. No matter, I haven't looked at what it is. Do you, do you, do you have the under on, on this fight? I haven't. No, I've, I've actually haven't looked too closely at the bait because I know what my bet's going to be. I, I, my bet's going to be Tyson Fury in the second half of the fight. I think yeah. I think maybe around seven or eight, but I think the under, the overrun is probably going to be around nine eight and, and a half. half. Yeah, eight and a half, nine and a half. Yeah, I, would, I would take something around there, but yeah, man. How about Fury talking about retiring? I yeah. mean, this guy says a lot of stuff. I mean, he's one day he'll say retiring. Next day, he's got a five fight plan. Uh, he's all over the map. You know this. We've been following the guy for, for years now. But this is his latest talking point in the lead up to this fight that he's going to retire. I give it maybe 10 percent uh, accuracy. How about you? Potentially. I mean, look, I, I've been in huddles or press conferences with Tyson where I will be doing an interview and he'll tell me one thing. And he'll do an interview with somebody else and he'll tell them exactly the opposite. So you have to take everything he says with a pinch of salt. I think he, he's very, very good at playing the game. Sometimes he's serious, sometimes he's not. Sometimes Tyson is the most engaging, charismatic person that you could ever wish to spend your time with. And there, there are other times where he's probably not so. Um, so I do feel like a lot for him, not necessarily depends on what side of the bed he gets out of. I just feel like he says things at one time. And if he decides to change his mind, he will. The only thing that kind of that makes me not poo-poo it as much, I still don't think he'll retire. Let's get that out of the way. But with the Daniel Kinahan stuff that swirled around this last week or so, uh, Tyson has spoken in the past. Billy Joe Saunders is another one who has spoken in the past about the influence that he's had on their boxing career and the fact that if he were to leave the sport, that they wouldn't carry on with their careers. Obviously, this has been marketed and, and been earmarked as a significant homecoming fight for Tyson Fury. The last time he boxed in the UK was against uh, Francesco Pianetta, August right. um, <clears throat> August 2018. So we've all seen the um, the way in which Tyson felt that he was treated after the Vladimir Klitschko fight. He felt like he was going to come back to the UK. He was going to be revered as, as the new champion of the world. It didn't go that way for him. So, you know, who knows how much of an effect this nine days or so in the coming three, four months or however long it is when we see the fallout from the Daniel Kinahan situation will have on him. Um, 
again, I still don't feel that he will retire. I feel like Tyson is a, he is an absolute um, boxing historian. He loves the sport. And I think knowing the game, he once said to me, and it's one of the few things that I, I kind of do remember and realize he said that he'll fight. Um, I think at the time he's like, fight Wilder, he'll fight, he'll fight Joshua, he'll fight anybody else, then he'll retire, and then he'll come back and beat the next guy coming up. And I feel like we get this all the time in boxing where I think Andre Ward's probably one of one notable exception where a fighter will retire with something left in the tank, and it's very much with the case of, okay, I'll be back when the price is right or when there's right. enough. You know, there will always be somebody to fight uh, for Tyson Fury, but I can't see him leaving the Joshua payday on the table. I can't mm-hmm. see him wanting to go for not wanting to go for undisputed, especially if Alexander Usyk, if if he does box Anthony Joshua again and he beats him, I think the part of Tyson of we've seen it in the past where he said, well, you know, AJ can't do it, so I'll do it. I'll show everybody that AJ couldn't beat Alexander Usyk, but I'll do it. So I feel like there'll be an element of that to him as well. But you just never know with him. But I yeah, mean, yeah I, I think I'll, it'd be I'll foolish. Yeah, it'd be foolish for him to walk away with undisputed right there, you know, one fight away, you know, theoretically. But, you know, this guy, like you said, has said things. Maybe that's the big reason why he uh, gets along so well with Bob Arum, right? Famously, you know, yesterday I was lying, today I'm telling the truth. But uh, I think it was also interesting, too, with Fury, the fact that, you know, when he was asked about Kinahan, finally, uh, what not on a Zoom, in person, uh, at the workout, he pretty much said that, you know, he pretty much shrugged it off like he was not even a friend of his. He was just an acquaintance, blah, blah, blah. This is a guy that will always give you, whether you believe he's lying or not, but will always give you a strong opinion, whether it's you think it's BS or not. For him to dance around uh, the Kinahan question, I thought was pretty rich. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Tyson. Obviously, I'm not there this week. I can imagine what this week has been like for him and those around him. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I watched the interview as everybody did. Uh, I wasn't particularly surprised with his non-committal responses. He is fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world at Wembley Stadium in a few days. I didn't expect him to go into things with, with too much detail or, or in too much depth. Um, potentially expected something more, but I didn't really expect him to go into it um, too significantly. Um, so it wasn't much of a surprise for me. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, I mean... Uh... You didn't know what he was going to say. Obviously, you know, he's not going to flat out say, you know, disown the guy because I feel like he's in a, a position where he doesn't have to exactly say that right then and there. But he goes back and forth quite often. But big, huge, huge fight this weekend. The, you talk about you're not going to be there, but the, you said the general vibe isn't what you thought it would be for, for, for this type of fight. What, what, is, what is the vibe over, uh, over there in the UK? Yeah, again, it's you sort of like because we're in this, as I keep mentioning, the boxing bubble. Um, you know, I know it's a big fight. My friends who follow boxing know it's a big fight. But whenever I'm in America, I'll always ask the Uber drivers if they know what fights on this weekend. And generally mm-hmm. speaking, the answer is no, unless you're in there for a big fight. If you're at Wilder Fury and you're in Vegas, then, you know, some of the Uber drivers will know or, or, or what have you kind of the black cab effect as we call it over here in the uk you you know you step into a black cab and they'll they'll talk to you about the football or the boxing or what have you i just haven't really felt that you know when 
it's a, it's a much smaller fight. But when Joe Joyce boxed Daniel Dubois, they were both on Good Morning Britain. Tyson mm-hmm. Fury's been on Good Morning Britain, which is one of the big breakfast talk shows here. It has a lot of people who look at it. We've not seen that this time. We've not had them around the table doing a, a face-off and telling each other what they're going to do to each other. Obviously, they're friends and stuff like that. But let's not beat around the bush. What sells tickets in boxing is that vitriol and that 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 anger and the 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 tense, you know, b- between two fighters. We've not had that here. So I feel like it, it should have been a bigger fight. It should have been a bigger fight. And there are a multitude of reasons why I feel like it isn't, um, that we've already obviously run through with Dillian and, and events of the last nine days. Um, but yeah, it's a big fight. It, it, it's been promoted... Um, Obviously, it's on BT Sport as opposed to Sky Sports box office, but it's it's now available to purchase direct through Sky as opposed to in the past, where if it's a BT box office pay-per-view, I think you had to sign up to various different things. And yeah. for somebody like my dad, who's a boxing fan, has been a boxing fan for the last 30 or 40 years, he can't do that shit. Like he, he so like he needs <laughs> to be able to just press the red button. Right. So that's great. That's that's good for the sport, but we've just not heard enough out of either fighter, in my opinion. We we saw um some promo stuff from from fury and bt which was no hype needed mm-hmm. i think that's it was sort of like i don't know no hype needed there was just no hype hype offered uh, yeah. so um yeah it's I, I feel like it could have been a bigger spectacle but as we've said there, there's a multitude of reasons why i don't feel like it is yeah it's it's a, a pay-per-view here in the states um where we've seen in the past like a big uk fight they'll put it on regular espn they'll put it on the zone uh showtime ha- has got into the business of airing whether um you know some big joshua fights earlier on this is a pay-per-view here in the states i'm interested how it's going to play here because um i've seen a few ads on espn uh i've seen a few stuff uh here in the city uh new york city but not not that much not that much that you would expect for a, a tyson fury fight so that's something to keep an eye on i know boxing fans love to follow the numbers they like to see their oh 95,000. i don't think so i've seen some of those rumblings today i mean do you hear anything about the crowd is it still i'm expecting probably i mean there's definitely going to be at least eighty thousand there i mean i don't know um I don't believe it is fully sold out. It's my opinion. Um, mm. I feel like if you if you were so inclined and you wish to go and buy a ticket from a resale uh, market, I feel that like you'd be able to get one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I feel like it will be, you know, it, it will have a lot of people there. Will it have ninety four thousand as they've been um, they've been allocated? Who knows? Uh, the proofs in the pudding. We'll see that on um, on on fight night. But Tyson has has become a, a huge global attraction in in the last 18 months or so he's done the wwe of course he's had the fights with deontay wilder on american pay-per-view which by all accounts did well mm-hmm. um so yeah we, we're gonna see the proofs in the pudding as yeah. as we all say so we look forward to seeing that on saturday night um i'm, I'm not gonna be able to to count every person in the seat because i won't be there um I, but if you were there you would you would do that right because it would give me something to do during the undercard Dan. the undercard so, is oh my goodness the undercard they need to put uh john fury versus dylan white's father on that undercard <laughs> get to spice it up a bit because that undercard let's be honest is putrid yeah it's not a good undercard at all um and to anthony kakache versus johnny romero has just been pulled as well by right. johnny romero couldn't get um a visa i haven't seen jonathan romero box since kiko martin has stopped him years and years ago i think it was on the, the darren barker daniel gill undercard um so i i didn't even know he was still fighting um so that was disappointing because it was 
it was somebody who I, you know, obviously Anthony Kakachi, somebody who I've, I've, I've followed. He's a decent fighter. Is he, should he be co-main to the heavyweight championship of the world at Wembley? Probably not. Um, Isaac Lowe versus Nick Ball is a good fight, but what level is that fight? I would probably venture to say British, maybe like not really, certainly not any higher than British title level. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think having an Anthony Yard on the card would have been great. Like Anthony Yard versus Callum Johnson, something like that. Domestic. Yeah. Um, that would have been a good fight, all action. But look, I mean, we got Tommy, we got Tommy Fury. We've got Tom. I'm not sure who Tommy's boxing. Um, Daniel Mr. Bakanatsky, who's 10 and one. There we go. So I, I, that, that improved. That significantly improves the record of Tommy Fury's last six opponents. Well, well, we'll we'll see which ten fighters he. <laughs> I went to Boxrec, didn't recognize any of them. Uh, that's a whole story for another day. I'm going with a knockout late for, for Tyson Fury. It seems like you are going uh, the same way. I think uh, once we get to Saturday, I think we'll you know it will amp up. We'll we'll start to get those big fight feels. I'm happy for you that. You don't have to stay up till three in the morning. This is a rare home game for our UK friends out there. I love talking to them on Twitter, uh, you know, seeing who's awake, how you guys doing out there. Uh, it's been a great run, but don't worry. Next week, you're, you're back to uh, staying up till three in the morning. Watch Valdez, Stevenson, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano. See, I don't actually mind, like if it, if the fight's good and or the card's good, I don't mind staying up. I mean, I'll stay up and watch any fucking fight anyway but like yeah. but if the fight's really good like valdez stevenson's a terrific fight that's a brilliant fight katie taylor versus amanda serrano another brilliant fight so those ones they're okay uh this past weekend fundora versus lubin brilliant fight mm-hmm. sergio garcia versus tony harrison on the undercard brilliant like was that like this past week what day is it that, that was two weeks ago last week was spence Spence, yeah, we get again another case of that. There's Stanionis on the other, like having been able to watch Stanionis before one o'clock in the morning was great. Yeah. Like that, you kind of look for these checkpoints. Like, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, PBC put on the best shows. Um, and I feel like when it's a PBC card, it's a little bit easier for me to stay awake. Um, because I feel like the fights are you know very well matched. I felt like Spence card was excellent, the Fundora card a couple of weeks ago was another excellent card, although that also had a top rank card at the same time and a zone card. So I had three screens on at once, which three was, screen uh, night, a three screen night, which we are becoming accustomed to as fans, but this weekend, one fight, that's it. Uh, May 7th, one fight, uh, April 30th. From what I've heard, uh, Jake Paul placed a call to Jay Prince personally and said, let's not put these two up against each other. Let's do the right thing for a change. Let's stagger the main event. So from what I've heard, Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor fight will take place before Stevenson and Valdez walk over on ESPN. We'll see if that actually plays out because uh, ESPN will, has been putting fights on later and later. Um, we've seen that over the last couple of weeks, you know, triple headers that start uh, at 10 p.m. Let's get your opinion on uh, what we saw from Errol Spence last weekend. Uh, one of the better performances of the year, his best performance as a pro, I thought. Uh, total of destruction, uh, you know, throwing 80 punches around, landing his power, 70 uh, body shots uh, out of the 219 uh, that he landed on Ugas. You know, that one moment where he got hit, which I think helped woke him up because from that moment on, he outlanded him like five to one. Uh, Errol Spence, I think, reestablished himself on the scene. And now we bang the drum for, for Terrence Crawford. Apparently there was a some type of deal in place 
Because the way he was talking after the fight, it made me think that there was a deal in place. Like, this fight is happening. The way, how matter of fact that uh, Spence was talking after the fight. Uh, so all in all, what do you think of Spence's performance? And you got to be excited for a potential fight with Crawford. I thought it was an excellent performance. I think it's right up there. Is It's either the best performance of his career or it's probably a, a joint top with his win over Cal Brook. I thought that was another excellent performance, um, him coming over into the, the champion's backyard and, and producing a performance that he did. I thought that was exceptional as well. But yeah, I mean, look, it, boxing is such a fickle sport, as we all know. Um, where you know before the fight people are talking about you know how much does Spence have left the car accident the eye injury is he getting too big for 147 he goes in there and produces arguably the best performance of his career um Ugas showed a lot of metal a lot of heart to to carry on with the injury that he had didn't want the fight to be stopped um really went out on his shield but yeah it was an excellent performance from Errol Spence had that I think it was the sixth round where he got hit with the right hand and the gum shield came out and he got hit with a couple of shots in the follow-up so there's you know there's some vulnerability there in that instance um as something that certainly Terence Crawford will be keeping a close eye on and, and Bo Mack of course his uh his tweet afterwards was uh w- was an interesting one to read but yeah touching on the post-fight interview I, th- I felt like it's the first time that we've really seen Spence go actually I want to fight him yeah I'm coming for him I'm going to beat him and that was great for us to hear. I feel like now's the time to make the fight. Now, mm-hmm. now is the best time to make the fight. I feel like if, for example, Crawford would have boxed Spence this, uh, this past weekend instead of Ugas and beat him, then people could have said, well, Spence car accident, Spence injury, Spence uh, too big at the weight. We've now seen him produce a brilliant performance against your Dennis Ugas. On the flip side, Terence Crawford, when his his welterweight resume was Jeff Horn, Benavidez, you know, Kel Brook, Amir Khan, if he then goes and fights Errol Spence and Errol Spence stops him, then everybody says, oh, well, you know, smoke yeah. and mirrors and the way that he was going, he's just stopped Sean Porter. So now is the time. This like, Terrence Crawford's with top rank. I feel like, look, we'd have all loved to have seen a fight. We'd have all loved it to be the trilogy that we're waiting on, not the first one. But I feel like as far as a spectacle goes and as far as, the fight being as close as it could have been, I think now's the time to make it. If boxing is going to do something right, don't over-marinate <laughs> this one. No, no, that's the only thing. That's what I said last week, Rob. It's the only thing I can see preventing this fight from happening next is Crawford signs a two to three fight deal and they do a stay busy type of fight first or they do a Crawford versus Danny Garcia, Crawford versus Thurman. And then they they table the fight for February uh, around the Super Bowl. I, I, I just, it's now. Like, you got to just right the wrongs of the past. You don't have to marinate this fight. It's been marinating since 2017. Like, just do the damn fight. You can make it a, a two-fight a two deal. It could be them fighting twice. Like, it doesn't have to be uh, an, an interim fight. I mean, it has to happen now. Crawford has being, matter of fact, not as he's saying it's going to happen. He said it's going to happen this year. So I, I think it goes off sometime in anywhere between October to early December. We see that fight finally. It would be great. It would be massive for the sport. Like, it's, it's interesting because we were just starting to get to that stage. And I know we've seen it. And I don't believe anybody who says it when they say, well, you know, I don't even want to see it anymore. It's been so like. Oh, <laughs> I've got a few of those uh, replies. You're all talking shit. You, you, you definitely want to see the fight. It's the fight to make at welterweight. Yes, Jared Ennis is a potential superstar. Virgil Ortiz, if he stays at 147, potential superstar. Right. But these two are the guys. Mayweather and Pacquiao were the guys. Mm-hmm. These two are now the guys. 
This is when it needs to happen. We've seen Spence have his car accident. We've seen Spence have his eye injury. You know, say Crawford goes and boxed Keith Thurman. Crawford will be a significant favourite in that fight, but let's not forget that Keith Thurman can fight. He's been a former unified welterweight champion. You never know. Boxing has its way. Like Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Would have anybody have ever predicted in a million years that Andy Ruiz would upset the apple cart in the way that he did? Probably not. Yeah. Boxing has a funny way of, of, of just giving you a sniff of things and then just pulling the rug from underneath <laughs> you. Now's the time to make the fight. Yeah, it is. There's, there's no other way to say it. That's, that's it. It's here right in front of us. There's nothing stopping it. Uh, they're at their peak. I think it would make the most money it could possibly make right now. I think the fight could be the best. It could, uh, it could be, it's, you know, teetering on the edge of them being, you know, a little past their expiration date, but you know, it's getting close. If it doesn't happen after this year, then we can start saying like it gets into Pacquiao Mayweather territory of both guys, not at their peak. You can make the argument that Spence has probably looked the best that he ever has. We just saw, said that. And Crawford's coming off. Like you said, Crawford coming off that, that stoppage uh, of Porter. So make the damn fight. I think we're going to see it. Um, but let, uh, lastly, are you giving Bivol a chance? Absolutely. Is it, it going to distance? Yeah. I, I, th- I give Bivol a real chance in that fight. I really do. I feel like Bivol's performances in the last two or three years have been underwhelming. But I feel like he's a fighter who needs to be stimulated. I feel like he needs, he needs a dance partner, somebody to bring the best out of him. Conversely, Canelo Alvarez is only fight at 175 pounds. I didn't think he looked anywhere like he looked at certainly 168 pounds after that. Mm-hmm. And beforehand at, at 160, I felt like against Kovalev, while obviously a, a masterful stoppage. And he, they, I watched it. I was, I was in Vegas for it in November 2019. Yep. And I was still, I was blown away by some of the, 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 the little things that Canelo did. But I was still very aware that physically I felt like he looked heavy. I don't feel like it was his best weight at all. That was by far and away not the best Sergei Kovalev that we've ever seen. Dimitri Bivol doesn't have a lot of miles on the clock. He's got good in and out. Like we've seen Canelo in the past, even as recently as the Caleb Plant fight. Look, I, don't, I didn't give Caleb Plant as much credit with regards to winning rounds as a lot of people did, but I felt like he made things tricky for Canelo. He, he moved, he, he was negative at times, but he won some rounds. And, and, you know, we've seen Canelo in the past against Kovalev. He, he lost some rounds in that yeah. fight. Bivol is, for, in my opinion, Bivol is the second hardest fight for Canelo behind Arta Baturbiev. I 100% agree. And I feel like it's a really, really dangerous fight. Look, uh, we all know that Canelo Alvarez being the cash cow of the sport, you're going to have to do something pretty special to beat him on, on points. We know that. But if you just call in a fight, 12 three-minute rounds between two fighters, Dimitri Bivol is a live dog in that fight. Yeah. I think picking against Canelo right now is very difficult to do. The only person who I would pick against him is Artur Baturbiev. I would I would say that with my chest. Um but I, I just feel like Bivol, every fighter has those those fights where they have to get up for it. And they, mm-hmm. they, this is their moment. This is his moment, yeah. Bivol. Again, I love Craig Richards. Craig Richards is, is one of the nicest men that you could possibly meet on the circuit. But for Dimitri Bivol, as a long-reigning world champion, unbeaten, one of the best pure boxers in the sport, he can't have been fully motivated to box a Craig Richards. He can't have been fully motivated to, to fight some of the guys that he's boxed recently. You know, we saw what he did against Joe Smith. Yes. Joe Smith hurt him. Joe Smith's a big punch in 175 pounder. If he hits anybody on the chin, he's going to hurt them. But Bivol won the fight convincingly resoundingly. 
So this for me is a very, very, very dangerous fight for Canelo Alvarez. Very dangerous fight. Um, but admittedly, we're going to have to see something from Bivol that we haven't seen in a right, long gotta, He's got to step on the gas. He's got to sit down those punches. Um, he's not going to win a decision just jabbing. Like He's got a great jab. He's not going to win a decision. I don't think jabbing. He's got to sit down on those punches. The way to disrupt Canelo, I've been saying it for years, is with volume and power uh, and a good jab. So Bivol has the good jab. Uh, his volume is there. Well, we haven't seen the power so much as of late. You know, Canelo uh, had issues with Golovkin because Golovkin was willing to stand and trade. He was willing to take a few shots, stand in the pocket with Canelo, and fire back 60, 70 punches around. We're going to see if that's the case with Bavol. But 100% agree this is his toughest fight. Other than better be, I think it's his toughest fight since Golovkin. I think Bivol is a live dog uh, in this fight, and I see it uh, potentially uh, going to distance. You bring up that fight with Kovalev. He gave away rounds against Kovalev simply off of inactivity. He is a guy that throws no more than 40 punches around Canelo. He seeks, you know, he, he sits there and he waits out his opponent. And that's a dangerous game. You're walking a tightrope when you do that because you're giving up rounds simply off inactivity. Uh, we'll see if that's a case early on. I think early on it's going to be tough. Uh, for Canelo, but we're going to see, you know, he hammers guys uh, to the body, especially that are six foot or taller. It's, I have the stat somewhere. It's just astronomical what he does to uh, opponents that are six foot or taller. And that, that is above all, but that is May 7th. Uh, man, there's so many insane fights coming up. We're in one of the best stretches as a boxing fan uh, this weekend with Tyson Fury following weekend. We've got the biggest women's fight in the history of uh, women's boxing at Madison Square Garden just down the street here at the same time or right after Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevenson. Following Canelo is a undisputed fight at 154 with Charlo Castaño. I mean, geez, like we're getting good things here. Uh, you know, we have to put up with a lot of BS. We have to put up with uh, Irish uh, mafia cartels. Uh, you know, but we're still getting really big fights. And uh, Rob, I appreciate you coming on. I'm um, looking forward to see what's next for you in your career. Uh, I'm a big fan, and uh, I think fans are going to enjoy this chat we had. Thanks very much for having me, Dan. Always a pleasure to chop things up with you. Uh, just to echo what you've said there, yeah, very good stretch here for boxing fans. Uh, very much looking forward to all of them. I think um, I think we're in for a good summer, and you know, hopefully, following that, we uh, we get the, the fight that we've been talking about, Crawford versus Spence. Maybe a little undisputed heavyweight title by the end of the year. Who knows? Um, could all go off but yeah thanks very much for having me always a pleasure to speak to you and um i'm sure we'll do it again sometime soon all right man thank you so much all right as a wrap on this edition of inside boxing live special thanks to my boy rob tebbit uh for joining us looking forward to what's next in his career big fight this weekend tyson fury dillian white when we come back next week we will be previewing Oscar Valdez versus Shakur Stevenson, previewing Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. I will have boots on the ground at Madison Square Garden, whether I'm going to the presser, uh, whether I'm going to the weigh-in. I'm going to have a presence there. I'll be there fight night uh, at Madison Square Garden, uh, which be which should be a great one. I can't believe we're almost at the end of this uh, amazing April. I think it's lived up to the hype. I think this weekend, uh, when all the, the smoke settles, when all the distractions and all of the other headlines and when those two guys are in the ring and, you know, even if it's 80,000, whatever, it's going to be a, the biggest crowd we've seen this year. Uh, heavyweight title on the line. Tyson Fury, Dillian White, one step closer to Undisputed. You know, that's why we watch the sport. That's why, like I said with Rod, that's why we go through and deal with a lot of the BS in the sport is to see a big heavyweight fight, is to see some of these championship fights, these Undisputed fights, these unifications that we've been getting a lot of here uh, in 2022. And looks like we're getting a lot more 
in the future too as well. All right, next week we're back with another edition. Thanks a lot, everybody. <laughs>